Training, recruiting, and retaining general surgeons. Three key issues that are problematic for hospitals across the United States. Furthermore, this impacts the entire field of surgery, from students interested in surgery to the most established surgeons in practice. What can we do to resolve these issues? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon. Our guest is Dr. Dana Christian Lynch, Associate Professor of Surgery at the University of Washington School of Medicine and Practicing General Surgeon. Dr. Lynch is the lead author of research published in the Archives of Surgery on the National Shortage of General Surgeons. Welcome, Dr. Lynch. Thank you for having me. We are discussing measures to resolve the shortfall of general surgeons. Dr. Lynch, it used to be stated that if you had to have one doctor on a desert island, you'd have a general surgeon. And you recall in years past that we would do everything from every intra-abdominal case to breast surgery to thyroid, parotid surgery, aneurysmectomies, radical neck dissections, just everything. I remember in my residency, we used to do most of the non-obstetric hysterectomies that were done and, and ran the anterior and posterior colporophy clinics. Now, clearly, were we doing those type of surgical procedures poorly for this to happen, or why did this change? A big question, and one I'm not sure that I'm totally qualified to answer, but if you look at trends in practically every area of human endeavor, particularly over the last century with the explosion of knowledge in every area, increasing subspecialization has become the norm. When Harvey Cushing basically started the specialty of neurosurgery, he was a general surgeon, I believe, and hand surgery grew out of general surgery. And so it's not necessary that general surgeons were doing a poor job. It's just the nature of the beast that humans, as there get to be more of them, focus on smaller and smaller areas and learn more and more and more about it. And also, I think one of the trends in modern life is the demand for quote-unquote experts in one area of endeavor or Another, you know, in our own literature, as you know, there's a, a lot of debate about volumes, uh, the association between outcome and volumes, and whether certain cases should be referred to high-volume, quote-unquote, centers of excellence, and whether they will get better outcomes, and whether that's due to the surgeon doing more or due to the institution taking care of more of them, and which kind of procedures that should be. So, for better or for worse, the general surgery has become increasingly fragmented by different subspecialties emerging from it and then laying claim to part of the turf. Of course, that's mainly an urban phenomenon, whereas in the small rural areas, the general surgeon is still the main surgical practitioner and does the full gamut of what used to be called general surgery up to and including some gynecology, orthopedics, even urology and ENT, although recent graduates of general surgery programs in most cases unless they've gone to specific programs which provide that training like Cooperstown or Oregon Health Sciences or have sought it out on their own won't have the training to do obstetrics, gynecology, or orthopedic procedures. I'm sure some of our listeners are wondering what's the liability issues of someone who is a general surgeon, let's say doing some gynecologic surgery, orthopedic surgery, uh, etc.? 
Yeah, I actually don't know the answer to that. It's a good question and one that I've wondered about. I have in the course of going to, say, the Rural Surgery Symposium at Cooperstown, spoken to general surgeons, probably mostly in their late 50s or in their 60s who were trained to do this and who've told me that, you know, when when the obstetrician left town or before they had obstetricians, they would do C-sections and hysterectomies. You know, whether they had to take out extra insurance to do that, if they justified it because of their case numbers in training, I don't know if they had a bad outcome and an aggressive malpractice attorney got them in court and said, you know, what justification do you have for carrying out this kind of surgery? Would they be in trouble? That's not an answer I can give you, unfortunately. I, I do think that nationwide in this country, because the elder generation of omnisurgeons who were trained and comfortable in doing these subspecialty procedures is dying out or leaving practice, and because the younger generation is not trained, and probably because of perceived or real litigation issues, general surgeons aren't doing as wide a gamut of procedures as they used to in rural areas. If you have just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guest is Dr. Dana Christian Lynch. Associate Professor of Surgery at the University of Washington School of Medicine and a practicing general surgeon. We are discussing measures to resolve the shortfall of general surgeons. Dr. Lynch, it used to be standard for all plastic surgeons, cardiothoracic surgeons, and other specialties to have a full residency program in general surgery before they went on to their subspecialization. Now, many of the residency programs are changing where they are not boarded in general surgery and the number of years spent in general surgery is decreased. How do you think that this change in philosophy influences the problem we're talking about now? I actually think, and again, I'm not a program director, so I'm not department chairman. I'm not really that sophisticated or respondent on this question, but I actually think that it may work to the advantage of general surgery residency training. How's that? Well, in our program, for instance, plastic surgery, uh, some people go all the way through and then decide they want to go into plastic surgery, but increasingly the majority of people who go through plastic surgery residency do three years of general surgery, then go into plastics. It has been proposed, and I think will happen soon, that in both vascular and cardiac surgery, they'll have similar options. In other words, they'll do three years of preliminary training, a lot of which will be general surgery with some other areas of focus, say, for vascular surgeons, interventional radiology for cardiac surgeons, cardiology, and then immediately go into their subspecialty training. So like integrated plastic surgery programs, they won't be board-certified general surgeons. So that has some interesting implications. One is you'll have fewer graduating general surgery chiefs because you won't have people going through five or five to seven, depending on your program, full years of general surgery before going on. It won't be required. So that will create some interesting manpower issues for programs. Two, though, those chiefs who do come through should have greater number of major general surgery index cases, say major GI cases, because instead of having seven chiefs in general surgery, you'll only have five. So those, they should have the opportunity to actually get higher numbers of the interesting major cases in their chief year than they would have before. That's just a thought, and uh, 
you know, there there might be some other implications. The other thought is, you know, issue is, is, is it really necessary to have a plastic surgeon, a vascular surgeon, or a cardiac surgeon who's board certified in general surgery and has spent the chief year doing Whipples and hepatic resections and major colon resections, do they really need that? I guess everybody has their own thoughts on that. I think probably in most cases they don't because in most cases they're probably not going to need that kind of sophisticated general surgery as part of their training. And, you know, there'll be exceptions to those cases. Some plastic and reconstructive surgeons will probably do more intra-abdominal work or stuff that it might behoove them to do full five years of general surgery. And some, say, uh, thoracic oncologic surgeons who still use a good deal of the foregut um, as part of their surgeries, it may behoove them to do a five full years of general surgery. So, But I think by and large, those integrated systems where cardiovascular, thoracic, and plastics just do three years and aren't fully quite general surgeons, you know, that's that's happening, like it or not. Now, what are your thoughts about the trauma surgeons doing the acute surgical cases and doing a role such as the surgical hospitalist? You've mentioned this before. What are your thoughts about this? Well, I've read a little bit about that program, and one of my colleagues here at the University of Washington, Jerry Jerkovich at Harborview, is one of the major promulgators of that acute care surgeon program. When I talked to him about it, he said, you know, his idea is it's not to produce a surgical hospitalist per se. It's more to produce basically somebody who can do trauma and all sort of general surgical emergencies in sort of a larger urban hospital with a high volume of trauma, general surgery emergencies, and critical care. And these people will be boarded in critical care as well, I think, in most cases. Now, we've talked about the difficulty in emergency rooms getting general surgeons to take call to get there in the middle of the night for acute appendix, uh, acute perforated diverticulitis, and things like that. Do general surgeons want to be less busy, or do they want to be more busy, or do all they want is elective (laughs) procedures? I think it depends on the person. You know, some people want a narrower, focused area of surgical endeavor, some want a more controllable lifestyle than perhaps traditional general surgery affords. Some may want to be more busy. Some may want to be less. I mean, you know, if you're talking about people coming out of medical school, I think they also, because probably because of the amount of debt they had compared to when we went through, they also have an eye on what's going to produce maximum bang for buck given a certain length of training, going more into debt, when they get out, how much are they going to earn in order to pay off this massive debt load? So there's a whole variety of factors, and I'm sure they must think of the fact that at least from what I read for a lot of general surgeons in this country, unfortunately, they're working harder and making the same or maybe less because of remuneration policies of the government and insurance companies. Is the remuneration significantly less for general surgery than it is for other specialties nationwide? Gosh, you'd have to talk to somebody from the AAMC about that. General surgeons still make a good living. I think the perception of people, though, is is that you probably can earn more and have a, a more controllable lifestyle if you, in some of the other surgical subspecialties. That appears to be the perception of, you know, people finishing medical school. But you know, you could find data on on what the average cardiovascular plastic surgeon 
made, and it's I'm superficially acquainted with that, and they do make more than general surgeons, and you know I wouldn't begrudge them that. But you know I think the perception is is that you know general surgeons work pretty hard for their money in terms of call, etc. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Dana Christian Lynch. We have been discussing measures to resolve the shortfall of general surgeons. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. This week, ReachMD is moving to XM Channel 160. Please make a note and tell your associates and friends. ReachMD, the nation's channel for medical professionals, will now be on XM 160. And thank you for listening.